Think about the best story that you've read or seen on TV or in a movie recently. How did it start? How did it end? Hopefully it had a better ending than it was a dark and stormy night. I don't think Snoopy probably ever got past that opening line of his novel. <laughs> what has your story looked like so far? We've been asking that question in our series on discovering your life story, using Donald Miller's book Storyline, Finding Your Subplot in God's Story. Some of the questions that that book gets you to think about is, as you think about the ups and downs in your life, what theme or purpose emerges? How have you seen God redeeming negative turns in your life? And then, how can you nudge your story ahead? What projects or ambitions do you want to invest yourself in? Your story matters because you are a part of God's story. God wants to use you to make a difference in the world. In our reading from Acts, we heard the Apostle Paul share some of his story. As a Pharisee, he had done everything he could to squash people's faith in Jesus. He hauled Christians off to prison, he had them beaten, and even killed. But the risen Jesus confronted Paul in a blinding blaze of light. He changed Paul's life and sent him as a servant and a witness to open people's eyes and turn them from darkness to light. Paul preached so that they, people would turn to God and show their repentance in how they live. He started house churches and wrote letters to them to encourage and challenge them. In 1 Corinthians 15, he writes, I am the least of apostles and don't even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. In His grace, Jesus included Paul in the Great Commission, just as He includes you and me. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the end of the age. Go and make disciples. That's what it means to be a Christian. Well, how do we make disciples? By telling others about our experience with Jesus and encouraging them to follow Him too. The senior choir sang, I found it all in Jesus. Joy, peace, comfort, strength, and purpose. What we don't find in Jesus is a life of convenience. Jesus isn't a product that makes our life simple and easy. I mean, imagine if Paul was trying to sell the product of Jesus on TV. <laughs> Don Miller says, you know, 
can you imagine the, the Apostle Paul doing an infomercial about Jesus? There he is on late night television pitching the product of Jesus, talking about how much the product has changed his life. Hi, I'm Paul, and I want to tell you about the product of Jesus. I used to have a job and money and friends and lots of power. And then I got the product of Jesus and lost my job, my friends, my money, and my power. Today I'm secretly shuffled from town to town where I'm routinely ridiculed, imprisoned, tortured, and occasionally bitten by snakes. You too can have the product of Jesus by calling 1-800. There could even be a doctor's warning at the end of the infomercial. The product of Jesus may cause temporary blindness. If your blindness lasts more than three days, seek medical attention. Jesus isn't a product. He's a living person who wants us to follow him no matter the cost. Even in prison, Paul shared his story and invited people to follow Jesus. King Agrippa said to Paul, Do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to become a Christian? And Paul replied, Short time or long, I pray to God that not only you but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these chains. How did Paul find hope when nothing seemed to be going his way? What drew him forward? He had a solid conviction that God works in all things for good. He trusted that nothing can separate us from God's love in Jesus Christ. Paul believed that one day God will make all things new in Christ. In Philippians, he writes, Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. When Jesus returns, He will bring all the power and presence of heaven here to earth. God's rule will extend throughout the universe. Everything will be brought under Jesus' control. And all, finally, will be well. In a good book or movie, the story moves forward to a climactic scene. The girl finally figures things out, dumps the jerk, and gets together with the nice guy who had always been there for her. The superhero gets up from a crushing blow and finally overpowers the villain and saves the world. The stories of our lives are usually a little less dramatic, but we still have climactic moments along the way. In Storyline, Don Miller encourages you to envision a climactic scene for each story that you want to accomplish in your life. Once you can clearly picture what you want, you can use that vision as what he calls a decision filter. It can help you screen out choices that would lead you down the wrong path. 
In the book, Don tells the story of a girl in her 20s, he knew, who was in between jobs and was planning to take a couple of months before she started her new job to go on one last big adventure with her friends to Brazil. She said to him, Don, you've had lots of adventures. Any advice for getting the most out of my time in Brazil? He thought about it and asked her if someday she wanted to get married and if she wanted to have kids. She said she did. So he had her picture that future moment in the hospital with her new baby and her loving husband by her side. He said, that climactic scene will mark the end of a story, the end of your youth and the beginning of another story that's just as exciting but different. Well, all that sounds good, she said. I I want all that down the road, but what does that have to do with my time in Brazil? Well, here's my advice to you, Don said. While you're in Brazil, don't let any scenes into your story that will interfere with the beauty of the climactic scene you're heading toward when you're married and having your child. You'll have to make some choices. When those choices come up, picture that scene unfolding. And if you're about to do anything that you'll regret, walk away. Let nothing interfere with the beauty of your future climactic scene. And within those boundaries, have a blast in Brazil. With that long-range vision in mind, I imagine she made better choices than she might otherwise have made. Besides being a decision filter, the other thing about envisioning a climactic scene is that it creates what he calls a a story gap. You realize that you are not where you want to be. When you realize that, you, you get kind of a feeling of incompleteness. And that can either fill you with despair or it can inspire you to work harder toward your goal. You're not where you want to be yet. Neither is the rest of the world. Just look at the headlines or watch CNN for a while. God's beautiful world is full of brokenness and sadness and pain. Don Miller says we're somewhere late in Act 2 of the world's story. In a three-act play, Act 2 is always full of conflict. In the 12th chapter of Revelation, there's a vision that describes a great serpent cast down from heaven who rages fiercely here on earth, filled with fury because he knows his time is short. In Romans 8, Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation itself was subjected to frustration in hope 
that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. When Jesus returns, we will be made like Him. All creation will be liberated and made whole. Paul continues, We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. For who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In his book, Surprised by Hope, N.T. Wright points out that our ultimate hope as Christians is not just to go to heaven when we die. We hope not for an escape from this earth, but to the glorious day when God will make all things new. The book of Revelation ends with the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. The heavens and earth are remade and rejoined. God dwells with His people. I love the ending line of the hymn that we sang, This is My Father's World. Jesus who died shall be satisfied and earth and heaven be one. What a beautiful, climactic scene. When Jesus returns, we will be raised to new life in new bodies on a renewed earth. We will be given new responsibilities and sent on new adventures that we can only imagine. Jesus said, In that day, those who have followed Me I will say to them, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with little things. I will put you in charge of many things. What we do here on earth today matters because God is making all things new. He's not planning to discard or destroy His beautiful creation. He's planning to heal and restore and bring it to its fulfillment. Don Miller says, God takes light into dark places, and so must we. God calls us to share our story and our hope with others. Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. If you want to learn how to live a thankful life and share our story with others, we've got some great resources for you. Try doing Storyline, you know, by yourself or as part of a small group. Join the Spiritual Gifts class on Wednesday nights in November. Work on finding out how God has wired you for ministry and making a difference. Look for where God is already working and then join Him. Just walk across a room and start a conversation with someone. Dare to share 
the story of how God has been working in your life, in our church, and in the lives of others. Paul says, make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. The mission field is right outside our door. Think of the people that you interact with in a typical day, at work, in school, your friends and family and other people you know. Do they all attend church regularly? Are they all following Jesus? If not, then what are you waiting for? Go and make disciples. Share the story of Jesus. Faith is personal, but it's not private. It can't be just held private. When you've got good news, you can't hold it in. You've got to share it with others. Talk with people about what really matters and show it by how you live. We have the greatest story in the world to share. The old, old story that we will sing in glory when all is made new. What will your next chapter look like? God give you the grace to make it a good one. Amen.